Welcome back to the second hour of Love Bass Love Talk. I'm delighted this morning because I get to talk a little politics. <laughs> I have the lovely and talented Dr. Karen Bois Walton on. Y'all know she is running for a uh, treasurer of these of this Connecticut state, and uh, she's our role C. So uh, I'm I'm so glad I get a chance to talk to her before August 9th when y'all go and vote for her. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I could be doing that, but I just did it. So Karen, tell me. Um, what's it been like to, to, to run at this level? You've been all over the state. I follow you on Instagram. I follow you on Facebook. I follow you on all the other social media sites. And I see you are in these smaller towns and other places. What's it like to zigzag the, the state? And what are you hearing? Well, good morning, first of all. And thank you. It's always good to be with you. You know, I love you. Love Babs. Um, this has been so much fun. You know, we have been using this theme of, of getting into every community we can possibly get to on main streets and Elm streets, because the, you know, the concept is my work has been, um, helping families who are everyday families working hard to, uh, to make ends meet. And so we want to show that, you know, others might be working wall street or corporate law jobs, but the work I do has been the work that really hits, uh, hits folks at home. So we have been to really the, the big cities. Um, we've certainly been in Hartford and Bridgeport and New Haven and New London and Stamford and right all, all of those. But we've been in the suburbs. Um, we've spent time in in Hamden and um, and and the small towns. Right. We've been in in Haddam, East Haddam and in Washington Depot and uh, and all, all over the state. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful an opportunity to talk to people about what I've done and my vision for the, for the treasurers and why people should care about the treasurer's office. Cause it's not first of mind for a lot of folks when you think about elected office. I, I think you're right. So you, you came out of the democratic convention without the nomination and the person who got the nomination, Eric Russell, lovely young man. I met him a few months ago. At a, at a bourbon and cigar party. He was charming, lovely, smart, everything we want uh, young black men to be. His husband is a lovely person. Um, but people came out of that convention like, we didn't know her, we like her. What about her? We wanna hear more about her. No shade to him. I think he's amazing, lovely, beautiful young man, but people are very interested in you. And so when you came out of that convention, um, you, you had a choice to make, you could either not, continue or you could continue. So what was that? What were those moments like when you got this groundswell of support about, we think you should do this? That's exactly what it felt like. It was a groundswell of support and energy. When you think about this race, right? Um, unlike um, my, my friends who were about and about the state for over almost a year, crisscrossing around the Secretary of State's office. Um, when you think about this one, this was a really quick 
um, run up to convention. So our current treasurer, Sean Wooden announced about three and a half, four weeks prior to the Democratic convention that he wasn't gonna run again. And so I ramped up a campaign really quickly and needed to get in touch with 2000 delegates across the state to introduce myself and say, hey, um, you know, I am the right one for a state, state treasurer. And I was up against two people who honestly had served as party vice chair. They knew all of those folks. They had their numbers in their phone, programmed in their phone while we were still, you know, chasing down meeting them. So we knew we went in there at somewhat as a, uh, you know, at, at, a, at a disadvantage to get in there, but we knew that if we could reach people, touch people and share our story that we could, we had a compelling story to tell. So we spent the time getting to as many delegates as we could and then getting to convention um, and talking to folks and getting an opportunity on stage to introduce myself. And people were very receptive and they said, wow, we wish we'd known you. And now that we know you, like, this is great. We we love you. And you know, it's, it's so hard when you, I've been here in New Haven working so hard and certainly I'm a well-known person in, in New Haven and I'm, I got to be, you know, somewhat known through the State Board of Ed work. But you know, I wasn't known across the state in all the sort of political circles of the of the small DTCs and the large DTCs across our state. And so the convention put me on the on the map with them, and they were like, "Wow!" And I joke because um, I came <laughs> I came off the the stage and. Uh, got a chance to talk to people. And then I went out to where our campaign table was and I hadn't had a chance to get my own t-shirt yet. And I said, let me go over there and grab a t-shirt. And the, the woman who was who was um, personing our, our table was like, I don't have any t-shirts left. Like, I don't know what you just said on that stage, but <laughs> everybody came out here and was like, I need a Karen Bois Walton t-shirt. And that was that sort of energy and excitement. So coming out of there, as someone not well-known, we captured about 30% of the, the delegates against, um, you know, again, two folks who are, who had been party uh, vice chair, against someone who had run four years ago, I ended up, you know, coming in with 30%. And so, yes, there was energy. And that energy continued and folks got behind us and, and raised, gave us the money we needed to qualify. And folks continue to reach out and say, hey, you know, come to our town, come talk to us, come talk, come talk to our voters. And so it's been really wonderful. And here we are positioned now just five days away. Oh my gosh. Democratic primary. I love it. I love it. So, so Karen, give people an understanding of what the treasurer does and why that role is so important um, to, to anybody on main street and, and Elm street. Absolutely. The treasurer is the, um, is the, uh, really has a key role in the fiscal health of our state, right? So one important piece of it is the management of the investments of the state. And many of those investments are the pension dollars. So many of us know, are, are friends with, are neighbors with somebody who is a state employee, a state retiree, um, some municipal uh, em employees and retirees and public school teachers, their retirement funds, their promise was made to them do your best, work hard in these jobs, and we are going to we're going to pay you a fair wage, good benefits, and you're going to have a pension one there for you at the end. Well, the state is responsible for managing that, and the treasurer's office manages that. And and for for far too long, for for decades, that money was mismanaged and led to a real shortfall in the in the pension funds. And so, a key role of the treasurer is going to be how to stay true to that promise to retirees by good fiscal management of that money. And so I have experience doing that when I worked in City Hall, 
managed public pension. I've been running a housing authority, managing investments. I um, manage investments for a family philanthropy fund that I'm the chair of. So lots of experience with how you grow money, make sure it's going to be there for people. So that's one piece of it. As we grow that money, we also want to make sure we're investing in the right, right things, things that align with our values. I've got experience with that also. So that's a huge piece. Also, the treasurer is about, though, public investment. So we know that as a state, we borrow money to help fund the important things that have to happen, housing investments, schools, uh, infrastructure, roads, bridges. These kinds of things are done um, with money that the state invests in, in, and borrows. Well, the treasurer is a key person sitting at the table helping to shape what those investments are and making sure we make good financial decisions. Well, that's what I've done, Babs, right? You look across the city of New Haven, I have been using public dollar in really sound ways to make investments that have given people high quality communities to live in. So I know how to do that piece too. And then the third piece of the job is the stuff that touches working families, touches families across the state around, how do we help families be in a better, stronger financial place in their lives? Um, if you have a young person, maybe you invested in the CHET higher ed 529 um, program, that's out of the treasurer's office. Our current treasurer proposed a baby bonds program meant to really get our littlest ones off to the right start. So they'll be by 18, they'll have a little, little nest egg there, um, help close the wealth gap. Well, those kinds of programs happen out of the treasurer's office. And uh, this is what I've been doing for families and successfully for some of the lowest income families in our communities, helping them move from places of, of underemployment, unemployment, minimum wage into having savings, good credit scores, um, able to buy homes, start businesses, because I know how to listen to what families need, design programs that work for them, and then um, implement those. And that's the third piece of the treasurer's office. Can somebody do that? Yes, I can. So it's a really important office that we may not always think about, but it's so key to the fiscal health of the state and to the financial well-being of families. And that's why I'm excited about it. Oh, I love this. This is good energy. This is good energy. And I and I could imagine that this would resonate whether you live in a city or you live in a rural community. The issues are not dissimilar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We all need, I mean, if we're going to think about economic growth in our state, um, we have got to absolutely be attracting and supporting good business. But business is not going to grow if we are not addressing the unaffordability of housing in our community and the shortfall around, around housing. That is not just an urban issue. That is a, every community in our state is experiencing the challenge of not enough housing, not enough housing at a price point that people can afford. Um, and we need a constitutional officer. We need somebody in the treasury's office who's gonna really bring um, a track record of knowing how you invest in, in housing is, is one example of how we're gonna spur economic growth. And when I talk about that in, when I was up in the, in the Northwest corner in Washington, Connecticut, that resonated. Um, just as it does when I'm in Norwich, um, talking to, to families there. It is, it's, we're, we're experiencing crisis around rental prices, um, crisis around finding places to live. Um, and so that's going to be a big piece of what I'm focused on. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I, I love that you said that because New Haven is experiencing a housing boom, but it's not housing that everyone can have access to, at least from where I sit, I could be really wrong. Uh, and, and, I, and I know how challenging, challenging it is to find housing. Um, I, I think a lot about caring about how young people uh, can't stay in the state after they've, you know, uh, either they come back from an educational experience, they graduate, or they're in state and having an educational experience, but they don't 
they don't find this place affordable, attractive enough to stay because they can't afford it. How do, how do you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. I mean, we have been in decades of underproduction around housing, which is driving the, the problem we're in right now. And what we're currently building in places like my own home city here of New Haven isn't meeting the needs of the of the full range of folks who who need um, opportunity for for housing. And so it is. It's pricing far too many folks out. And I think if we don't think differently about housing production, we're going to end up with places that are unrecognizable and and are not not places that offer opportunity for all. I'm so glad you mentioned young people though, because I am so proud to have been endorsed by the young Democrats. Um, <laughs> and so I, I carry a, a few endorsements. I'm endorsed by the Working Families Party. Um, I'm endorsed by the young Democrats. Both of those are very meaningful to me because they say they send a, there's a stamp of approval. It's an endorsement. It says to the world that Karen is the one who has been fighting for working families in our community for decades. And the young Democrats said, this is somebody who is paving a future for us that that is gonna enable us to do just what you say, stay, continue to call Connecticut home, attract more people to Connecticut, start, you know, start our professional lives, our, our young adult lives, or build our families here. Um, they see something in me that's based in the track record of what I've done for over 25 years in this community that lets them know they should put their, their support behind me um, for, for the future of Connecticut. Mm. So Karen, talk to me a little bit about um, uh, stepping into this role um, at this particular point in your life. Like, why is this a good time for you to be doing this? This feels like the perfect time to be doing this because the first part of my tenure at, at the Housing Authority of New Haven, Elm City Communities, um, we had a lot to do to right the ship here internally and to work on our own portfolio. And so we were consumed around that and have done a tremendous job. And the latter part of my, of my tenure has allowed me to look up and say, we can do all of this amazing work within the footprint of the New Haven Housing Authority and it's still not going to make a dent in the hundreds of thousands of families who need help across our state. And so we started, I started working more regionally. I started working first on sort of helping to push the, the needle on city housing policy, served on the affordable housing commission that became a, a task force, which became the affordable housing commission, then started really engaging regionally, worked with the council of governments around how are we thinking about policy more regionally? then got involved in statewide advocacy, pushing for legislative change, because these things have to change at the state and regional level in order to create the kind of change we want. It's why I got involved in the intersection of housing and education and worked on it right here with New Haven Public Schools and our local partners, got tapped by Governor Lamont to come on and, and serve on the State Board of Education and then elevated by him to be chair of the State Board of Education, because we need to attack these, these issues from that statewide level, from that from that broader framework. So this feels like the right time for me to bring the experience of having worked closely enough to families to know what families want and need and what works for them, and to bring that to the level of a constitutional officer sitting side by side with our governor, who we got to fight to make sure he gets back in in, in November, um, sitting in partnership with our legislative um, leadership and, and membership to make sure we're driving a statewide agenda that creates opportunity for all families in our state. So talk to me, Karen, a little bit about how do you plan to work with uh, Democrats and Republicans alike? 
how do you, how do you, how do you plan to do that? Now I know your reputation of being one of these people that can bring all kinds of people to the table. Like you have that reputation. Like I've never seen you not have all the right parties at the table. But politics of, at this level is a little different. And and we've seen we've seen um, partisanship, bipartisanship go awry. How do you how do you how do you how do you bring all these disconnected pieces together under under the under the 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 realization that um, listen, this is how we have to spend this money, or this is what this money can do. How do you how do you plan to bring people to the table to talk about those kinds of issues? Absolutely. Look, I am unapologetically focused on we need to get Democrats back in office at the state at the statewide level, because we see that the agenda of Democrats is what serves working, hardworking families across our state. It's an agenda that's pushing for um, for for inclusion of all voices to make sure everybody's vote counts. And it's agenda that's pushing for um, for tax relief and, and economic growth for for all families. It's an agenda that's focused on women's rights and reproductive rights and and justice. We, we know who's aligned there. But I recognize that as a constitutional officer, that I would be elected to serve all residents of, of the state. And so um, moving that agenda forward will not possibly be done in isolation of folks who hold other beliefs and, and, and come, come at it from different perspectives. The things that the treasurer cares about, um, economic growth in our state, uh, we need to be able to speak in a language that, that everybody is committed to economic growth in our state. Um, the things that I care about around housing production um, and, and good public sector investments, um, that we need to be able to speak about in a language that benefits everybody. Because whether your town is led by a Republican uh, first select person or mayor or a, a Democratic uh, first select person or, or mayor, uh, towns need investment in order for us to, to grow. And so I think there's going to be an, an ability to bring folks together around an agenda that's about economic growth and economic um, uh, progress for our families, um, that uh, that's going to enable us to put some things on the table and priorities, and and then and then move them forward. Mm -hmm. um, but it's got to be done, I think, with that vision at the top that aligns with what working families need, and I believe that to be a democratic vision. Now you're no stranger to the conversations about how do we have economic growth and do some tax reform of some property tax reform, some tax Absolutely. reform, because people feel very sort of strongly that um, they're getting less and less and less as their tax base goes higher, higher, higher. Not an unfamiliar conversation at all, right? And we have to, we have to recognize that as a state, um, the state has, has really gotten itself on much stronger financial footing under the leadership of our of our current administration, Governor Lamont, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Bicewitz, um, the legislative leadership that have moved us moved us forward, much better position um, fiscally than we were uh, four years ago, and and they they deserve credit for that. Um, and yet and still, we all know that it is painful to go to the gas pump, and it is painful to go to the grocery store and have your bill easily be. $50 higher than it was uh, a, a few months ago. And so people are feeling that economic pressure, even as there are signs of, of you know, more, uh, more solid economic footing for the state. So we, we can't lose sight of that. And as somebody who's been fighting for working families uh, every day, and as someone who does her own grocery shopping and, 
and 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 knows what that what that feels like, right? We're very connected to those to those issues of growth, and we have to be focused on providing relief. We continue to have a a uh, regressive taxation system. I will be a strong advocate for progressive policy at the state level that includes real reform on property on property tax. We for far too long have let the extremely wealthy pay less than their share while working class and middle class families absorb the, the bulk of the tax burden. That's un, untenable. It, we cannot continue in that way. We are, we are hurting families. We are starving our public education system. We, that cannot continue. And so another reason I think you need to be for me is I think we need a real strong progressive voice at that level at a constitutional officer who is going to push and hold folks accountable for these. And this is not something I've got involved in because I was interested in running for office. This is my life. I have been fighting on the ground on progressive cause, causes, a lifetime, lifelong member of the NAACP, served two terms on the Planned Parenthood of Southern New England board, worked on the PP Votes CT PAC, um, have fought for mental health parity, sat on boards related to, to mental, mental health care. Um, like this, this is just who I, who I am. It's the way I've led the housing authority. We've dared to do things that nobody else. What, what, what landlord canceled rent during the pandemic? Well, we did. <laughs> like we lead from a place of value that says we understand that, it, yeah, our, our funding was tight during the pandemic, but we could absorb that as the housing authority multi-million dollar entity. We could absorb that far more than passing that down to the, to the, to our residents who are our lowest income um, families who were hit hardest by the pandemic. There's, we have to keep focused on who are we really here to serve and how do we make government really work for folks? And that's the voice you get from me. That And, and again, it's like, you could say, oh, she talks a good game, but you don't just have to listen to what I say. I got a 25 year track record behind me of, of what I've done that really shows that that's the way we lead. Mm. So Karen, I, I know that you chair the Education Commission. What is it? The State, State Board of Education. Yes. yes. Now there, there's a whole lot of conversation about education in the state and how, and and this is not just unique to Connecticut, but for the sake of we're in Connecticut, oh, we we are we are reimagining, or at least I think we ought to start reimagining how we educate children. But talk to me a little bit about reading readiness and what schools are doing, and um, are we still having fights about charter schools and their relevancy and are they taking money away from the education program? Talk to me about what you know, where we are uh, educationally. Absolutely, right? Um, we just saw Connecticut be ranked by you know, national, national rankings as having the number two school district in the entire country. And so that should be something that absolutely we can say, wonderful, there are, there are things that are working amazingly well across the state in education. But to take to take that to keep that as the takeaway, and fail to address the fact that there continue to be huge disparities in opportunity and disparities in achievement and disparities in the way we're funding and the disparity in the outcome that we're achieving for kids would would totally miss the mark and would leave uh, far too many kids behind. So as chair of the state board, I'm 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 thrilled to be there and able to support a commissioner who's focused on equity. Um, be surrounded by board members and a team at the SDE who is focused on the fact that ranking number two is great, but it no means nothing if we aren't doing if we are if we aren't 
providing a number one public school education for every child across our community. So we're really focused on a few things. Um, one is absolutely, we, we, we need to address the, inequ the continued inequities in, in school funding. And that, that's, that's, that goes without saying, and it's part of why I push for progressive tax, taxation reform and um, on that front as well. Um, but we need to ensure that every, every learner in our, in our public school system has access to um, teachers who, who look like them and represent the diversity of our state, that those teachers are equipped to teach a curriculum that represents a culturally relevant and a truthful curriculum that really um, tells absolutely the, the it's gonna resonate and connect with the students in, in the classroom, that we're creating classrooms where kids have opportunities to interact and learn with people who represent the diversity of, of our state, and that we're addressing the uh, emotional, social emotional needs of our, of our learners and our educators and the folks, anyone who's touching, touching our children. And so if we stay anchored to those things, that's, that's where we need to go. There are a ton of debates. People have come and, and, and been very vitriolic in front of the State Board of Ed about curriculum and, and are we teaching critical race theory and should we be doing that? Um, we had ardent debates, people coming in saying, you know, we were damaging our kids by, by requiring masks um, and, and, you know, and COVID safe, safe practice. Uh, practices. Those national debates, they are absolutely alive here in here in Connecticut. And so that's, we have to remain, look, did you, if you follow the Guilford Board of Ed election, the most most recent one, right? I it did. Out, it played out right there. Um, so there are absolutely ardent debates about this. We have got to remain focused on the fact that every young person, every learner must graduate our schools ready. Um, and if our kids are not reading at level, if our kids don't have numeracy skills, um, if our kids are not exposed to the, the, the things that are going to prepare them for the careers of today and the future, then we're doing a disservice. And so I think every district across the state needs to take a real hard look at how they're preparing kids for the diverse world they're entering into. Even those schools that score at the top on most rating lists need to take a hard look at, are we really preparing our young people for the diversity of the world that they're going into? Have we really provided an uh, equity frame to their education, a culturally relevant frame to their education? Um, and and I, I will work, continue to work hard, uh, passionately on this, whether I am continuing as state board chair or when elected to treasurer and step away from that role as treasurer, um, that is something that I, I don't think there's anything more important and no greater public trust than the care of our young people and, and their public education. Mm. So you will not be the first black woman to be treasurer of no. uh, Connecticut. Uh, that path was already been laid. <laughs> so talk about where this lands for you now as a woman of color, as a black woman specifically. Um, and, 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 um, stepping into this arena, it's still very difficult. It's still very challenging. It, uh, raising money is still uh, hard. Talk to talk a little bit about what this means as a, as a Black woman and how you maneuver this and walk through the world um, as that. You know, Black women remain the backbone of the Democratic Party. We're the backbone of a, a whole lot of things, right? Backbone of the Democratic Party. Um, and we absolutely should be respected in the process and wield the sort of, of influence in the process that um, correlates to the amount of political power, of political um, votes that, that, that we deliver and the, the power that, that, uh, that our vote, that our vote carries. So I've been very proud to be, um, to be working and carrying forth a, a voice that rep, rep, represents and recognizes um, this 
large aspect of our population, um, Black women. I've gotten support across the board. There, there are there are many people who recognize um, the importance of having um, representative government and being able to see see yourself in it. And the fact that um, that pretty much regardless of how our how our ticket shakes out, that we're going to have a, t a democratic ticket that is a diverse ticket. That's that's great progress in our state because it's beginning to look more and more like our more and more like our our um, our state. Uh, so that's really important. But it is hard. It is hard to be um, not part of the network that um, historically has um, has led and and control politics. It's hard to break into those into those circles and networks. There are conversations and stuff that gets passed down in those informal ways. Um, when you're an insider, that doesn't happen when you're an outsider, and so you got to fight your way in and and show up and um, and make sure it happens. Um, and uh, you know, and then that's that's the challenge. I'll tell you what 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 has been amazing has been um, the level of support that I have gotten. Yes, from other Black women, um, but the broad broad level of support across um, all demographics of folks who have gotten behind and say, um, "This is yes, we're excited that you're a Black woman in this race, but we're excited you're you are more than qualified for this role. We are able to get behind." you because your career in public service aligns with the treasurer's office, your your financial management service, your um, background, your public service background, your public investments, your working for working families, all of that um, positions positions me perfectly for this role. And people have been excited to jump on for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, talk to me about um, the work ahead. What are you going to do in these next four days? these next few days like what what is, what what do you what do you get to do keep finding myself in every possible corner of the state i can where there are voters making sure people know august 9th is the democratic primary that your voice is important and your voice is demonstrated through your vote so to come out so i will be in as many places as one can possibly be over the, the next 5 days um talking to folks we have a great great um uh, turn out the vote kind of uh, operation. I'm so thankful to be endorsed by the Working Families Party. They are a force um, and and are providing a great, great resource for us. I'm so proud to be endorsed by young Democrats. Um, young people are our today and they are our future and the energy that they, that they bring to this and the ability to get everywhere is amazing. Um, you, If you have not seen my commercial, um, then you just have not. I love this commercial. TV. You, you've I, been like under it. a rock somewhere. So you will continue to see me on the airwaves, um, streaming on social media. Um, you will have at least three, maybe four mailers in your mailbox that are introducing. So you'll, you'll continue to see that. Lawn signs, anyone want a lawn sign? Let me know. Yes, wonderful. Our lawn signs are going up all over the state um, because the idea right now is about connecting with voters. We've got, we just had a virtual phone bank um, last night. We've got more phone banking, canvassing, all of that happening because the energy right now is touch as many voters, get a voter to tell another voter to tell another voter um, so that we can really turn out the vote on, on August 9th. Um, let's challenge that stereotype that it is August 9th election. Nobody cares about a primary. Let's challenge that and show people what we can do. We know how New Haven turns out. Let's let's do it. Let's do it in force. But let's do it across the state and make sure that people exercise their vote and have a choice. Um, you have at least two. Some places will have a state rep or on, on the primary as well. But for everybody, you will have an opportunity to choose 
on treasurer and secretary of state and make your voice heard. Yes. So aside from this, this campaign that you've, I've watched you run, I'm watching you run. You, you seem to be enjoying it. How do you, how do you take care of yourself through all of this? Because it cannot be easy zigzagging this state and Connecticut is not a huge state, but it does take time to get across it. Talk to me about how do you, how do you care for yourself? What, what, what does your self-care routine or ritual look like? How does Karen recharge and get ready for the next, you know, the next day or the next moment? Let me tell you, if I am, am in any way possible to make my route zigzag through New Hallville, I drive by and see if the porch party is happening <laughs> so that I can join Babs porch <laughs> and sit with, you know, I, because I do recharge. I recharge in the company of the people who love me and have loved on me for, 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 for ever. Right. Um, so I've got an amazingly supportive husband, shout out to Kevin Walton. Um, I've got amazing two young, young men who are, who are, um, just, I look at them and I know that this is why I, 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 I'm doing what I do because they are just amazing, um, representations of what our next generation is going to be. I got a circle of, of, of particularly women, sister friends, but, 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 but a circle of friends who are just amazing. Um, so that time to be able to recharge with in the company of people I love is wonderful. Um, I haven't been, I've been all over the state. Um, a Sunday morning will find me in a church though. I do not miss an opportunity to be in a church because my faith grounding is very important to me. Um, when I am home, I'm at, I'm at Bethel AME church. Um, but I have had a, I've been able to hear some amazing words, amazing preachers all across the state. So Sunday morning, I, regardless of what's happening, you know, my schedule is going to include having time, um, for, for worship and for prayer and contemplation. And that grounds me. Um, and I haven't been able to pick up any books lately, but when I can pick, get back to picking up my books, it's always, um, my own quiet time with the book is how I recharge. I, love I it. follow your, your reading list too, to see what you're, what you're reading. <laughs> 400 I, souls is on my, it's next to my bed, but I, I, I will crack it. I haven't, I haven't it's gotten an it, but I know that you read. just finished it or, or you're about to finish. No, I, I finished it. I moved on to a, a couple of other things, but it, it is, a, it, it, it is a, 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 is a life-changing read. I mean, you think you know something about our history in this country since 1619, but you, when you hear the personal stories or you hear stories that are not, that you don't get access to because, you know, it's just not taught. Uh, it is, it is, it does um, excite you for what the possibilities could be for us in this country. Mm. I, I will say that. So, um, so when you, when you, when you, when you, when you're a treasure and you got some time, <laughs> I do miss my books. <laughs> you, you, you get to it. I so thank you so much for your time this morning, uh, Dr. DeBose Walton. I am a huge fan, and uh, and I know people have already let me know that they voted absentee uh, because they were going to be away and they didn't want to miss opportunity to cast their vote for you. So uh, whatever happens, uh, you are still a winner to me. So love I, you, I'm, love I'm you. I'm just grateful. So so uh, we'll we'll keep up the good work. We all cheer for you, and we'll do all we can. And uh, you got a friend in me forever. So thank you. You know, I'm president of the Babs fan club. So <laughs> love you. Thank you so much. Um, thank and you. absolutely, uh, get out and vote. Rosie, I'm on Rosie. Let me, let me, let me put this, let me put this back up. So I <laughs> love it. I love it. See it. I want you to see it. So thank you, Karen DeBose Walton. I'll see you out here in these streets soon. Take care. All right, Nora, play us out. Thank you so much for holding it down for Harry, who is at jury duty. 
and I'm sure he didn't get picked. So <laughs> I'll see y'all at 12 o'clock on Pundits where we're going to talk about all the politics of the city uh, today. So I will see y'all later. Thank you, Dr. DeBose Walton. Thank you, Nora. And I will see y'all. Yeah. 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 Yeah.